De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're going to talk about tried and true tips for sales and marketing alignment and the biggest CRM pain points for sales reps. Joining us is Chip House, who's the CMO at Insightly, which unified CRM elevates the customer experience by aligning sales marketing, and service in one platform. This helps your business sell smarter, grow faster, and build lasting customer relationships. Yesterday, Chip and I talked about how tech supports sales and marketing alignment. And today, we're going to continue our conversation to discuss just how painful is it to switch your CRM. Okay, here's my conversation with Chip House, the CMO at Insightly. Chip, welcome back to the podcast. Doug, hey, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Well, it's a really interesting topic. And I have to say, if anybody has been through a CRM transition, you know it's not something to be taken lightly, right? And I would say that in many ways, we talked about this yesterday, Chip, the market feels somewhat settled when it comes to CRM. In other words, there's not been a lot of innovation as of late. Most of the innovation has been occurring around the edges with other members of the RevTech stack. But it's fairly settled. We have our sales forces, we have our HubSpots, our Oracles, our Microsofts. They've kind of cut out their relative territories. So it's making that change that we're talking about a little less frequent than it once was. But I have to ask, Chip, why are organizations typically embracing this big of a change? What causes them to tip over into this territory? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question, Doug. And the data that I've seen really says that there's a good share of people that are always thinking about a CRM switch, right? So it's not that unusual of a thing to try to do as a company, even though it's difficult, right? It, it can be difficult depending on who you are and what your needs are. But I mean, I think ultimately it's, you know, what comes up most is, hey, we launched this thing and it doesn't do what we wanted it to do. You know, it's not as sold, so to speak. Or we, we launched this thing and our customer experience is still poor, maybe, you know, and our team is not using it, right? We don't know how to use it. We're not using it, at least. And so it's th those two main things, I think, that are, that are kind of drivers. Oversold. We feel that a lot in software, don't we? As both sellers and as, as buyers. Underutilized. Yes, I would say definitely something that ends up happening as well. But in many ways, you know, the CRM providers have us so captive, right? And I think, again, the best example is Salesforce. They do such a great job of creating this wraparound. But I think the thing that you talked about here, Chip, which I want to drill in on is if we're not creating those customer experiences we want to create. I think we tipped this over a little bit yesterday when we were chatting and you talked about how a lack of configuration, let's put it that way, a lack of configuration quite often can be a predeterminant of the success of the platform. 
because we're not able to recognize, and you talked about B2B versus B2C or dramatic differences in how industries might work from industry to industry and being incapable of addressing those things. So which of those three really do you feel has the most reason for people to dig in and say, okay, I'm going to make that switch? Yeah, well, I think adoption is is definitely, it's real, right? I mean, I think that ultimately, if, again, if, if it's not getting used, you're not going to be able to deliver the customer experience that you want to as an organization. So they're sort of inextricable, I guess, Doug, you know, to to kind of answer the question. I think if technology doesn't get used, right, that means the the data inputs are sort of insufficient, leading to substandard targeting from marketing, substandard phone calls and operational efficiency from a sales team perspective, inability to forecast or, or manage pipeline effectively, and, you know, inability to support customers effectively as in showing them that you know them, right? And so that there's an effective transition through the customer journey from the, from the sales to the handoff to once they actually become a customer of the organization. So the customer is at the butt end of all those things, though, you know, and so they're not going to be uh, as compelled to do business, number one, with a company that doesn't know them well, you know, and doesn't show them that they can solve their pain through the lens that they want to be spoken to. But ultimately, you know, as, as a customer, they're going to feel it, right? If there's a disconnect in the technology, they're going to know, they're going to feel it. I'm also curious, what about cost? And you mentioned this sort of in the context of like being oversold, right? And, and quite often what happens is you, you look at it from a cost standpoint, I'm not getting as much utilization as I thought spending a lot of money in this tool, I could spend it elsewhere. That's usually what it comes down to is not just utilization, but it's I'm spending more for my presumed benefit on the product. And let me just extend a question a little bit more for you, Chip. I feel like so much of the, and we've mentioned this before, so much of the innovations occurring outside of CRMs. But when that happens, then what happens ultimately is I think your red tech stack gets much bigger, right? So in other words, to extend the power of CRM, which is a central system of record, you're typically having to add six, seven, 10, 15 different tools to that. Do you also find that people kind of look at the total cost of the RevTech stack, which by the way, foundationally CRM tends to drive that cost. Is that another factor for folks making the change as well? Well, let me, let me hit those individually because I think that t- the total cost of ownership is a certain, a very important one. You know, and generally what I would call some of the larger enterprise cloud suites, the total cost of ownership is significant, right? I'm not going to name somebody specifically here, but I know there's a, a large volume of integrators out there that work hev- closely with these cloud suite companies that will say, hey, you know, once you've paid for your CRM, right, or whatever else you've acquired, you're going to be three, five, 10x by the time you actually implement it and roll it out. And that's a super huge concern. I think that closely, frankly, Doug, to some of the feeling that they're oversold. It's like, okay, you know, your initial price was, wasn't was unrealistic, but the fact that I had to spend, you know, 3x with your integrator partner to, to get this rolled out and customized was not as sold. That's fair. And I have to say, I live in the Bay Area. I'm a kind of a techie from early age. And amazingly enough, most of my friends are not in the tech industry. A lot of them are in law. A lot of them are medicine. And, you know, they put me into this bucket. <laughs> and it's funny. I had these conversations. I had friends over last night. In fact, we were sort of talking about what I do. And the best way I could explain it was my job is to sell you the steering wheel. 
that's my company, when you buy the car. They're like, oh, I get that. But why wouldn't the car come with a steering wheel? And I'm like, well, it's just a matter of time, you know, potentially before the car company realizes they should probably sell this with the steering wheel. And then I'll go work for another company. Right. And I thought that, you know, that was just off the top of my head. And I thought, boy, that's not a very good model. <laughs> we're selling we're selling frames without engines and without steering and all of these things. And I thought it's a brilliant business model if you think about it. Because that application, the car becomes that much stickier because to make it actually get you to work, you have to keep buying more and more things out of the box. I'm assuming at some point on some level, that's why somebody would make a change. Yeah. I mean, you know, what's a car at the end of the day using that analogy, you know, is just it's well, it's a drivetrain, it's some wheels, it's it's an engine, right? And it's a windshield and things like that. But it's ultimately all has to be assembled. And that's part of the value that you're buying when you buy a car that you expect to. And I mean, at the end of the day, a CRM is a huge database, you know. It has to come further the direction of the user and the customer ultimately to kind of maximize its value. So that sort of brings me into point two from your question, which is a typical marketing and tech stack now. I would say any company probably is has SaaS creep, right? I mean, there are companies now that do nothing but help companies manage all their SaaS products, right? Because all of us have probably adopted too many. And especially if you're a large organization, every you know smaller division maybe even has their own choices, which can be, I'm sure, a huge headache as a CFO, by the way, but that's kind of beside this point. point. But you, know, you had said, I think, seven or more for a, a typical sales and marketing organization to manage things that they want to do. And I might say that's too many, right? I mean, I, and that's why I think what we're doing we by the way we have an advantage of not founding our crm company in 1999 but rather founding it in 2010 right is we could take a more modern approach and build everything in one modern platform so sales marketing and service are stitched together you know and and that's that helps you know so at least there's some of the integrated technologies that or no longer have to be integrated. You know, you don't have to go buy the third party. You can actually use the same very platform. And so that's my, that's my other rant, I guess, is cloud suites are just that. They're suites of technologies acquired, you know, through acquisition, really, r- rather than sort of a shared technology vision built from the ground up. And you see these swings, I, you know, Folks, you can't see Chip and I, but we're the, from the same generation. We can remember when SAP was a big deal. Do you remember this? Yeah. And then Oracle came along, and it was this amazing kind of consolidation. It was a single uh, kind of the single platform that all things could be done on. Eventually, that bro- got broken up by kind of the radical SaaS organizations like Salesforce. But it feels like we're back in that place again. Another good example, and I would say this is maybe closer to my world than it is to yours, Chip, but it's uh, Zoom Info which was discover.org, which, you know, very ambitious CEO, very, very, very accomplished sales organization, and just an incredible ability to integrate applications into a single seamless customer experience. And here it is happening again. We're watching this kind of consolidation happen yet again. And when I see these things, I think, gosh, there goes the innovation, right, quite often, which is really this the kind of central part of our conversation last couple of days. At the end of the day, it's the platform that should win is one, the platform that creates the best opportunity for a great customer experience. And the way that we get there is we're actually helping innovate along the way and not, sorry, 
kind of subject to the whims of the cloud suites and the you know overlords of determining where we are. And the other thing I'd throw in here, Chip, is that it's really hard to get unstuck from that situation because we talked about total cost of ownership, right, for these platforms. Well, guess what? There's so much utility outside of that core CRM with all of these other applications you're integrated with. And so to move off that CRM because of those integrations and how they're built together can quite often be incredibly difficult as well. So it's a great business model. But ultimately, like you said, it's about customer experience and about the ability to innovate within the platform to drive that better experience. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, we started out as a CRM only company ourselves, right? But primarily with SMB and heavily integrated with places like QuickBooks and Google Gmail, right? Which was super important for the, the small businesses. And, and since you know, then we've kind of moved more up market, and now we have a marketing product and a service product, and like I mentioned, an App Connect product to connect, you know, some external technologies. But there's a huge advantage to having that shared view of the customer, you know, so there's those key customer insights across the different teams, sales, service, and marketing. But I think that's what's difficult in a, in a cloud suite is to truly sort of create that single view without burning all sorts of integration dollars, (laughs) you know, (laughs) to truly make that vision come to light. And I, I have to say, I'm going to put this in a bucket together, Chip. Sorry about this. But as B2B marketers, I feel like we quite often get schooled by the B2C marketers who, if they do not have profound ability to connect with and create great customer experiences, they tend to lose in the marketplace. The business goes sideways. We can treat our customers pretty poorly and get away with it for all the reasons we just talked about. Sticky platforms that ultimately have way so, so many integrations and so many touch points that they're really hard to get rid of. I love the orientation of the focus, Chip, and I really enjoyed talking to you today. Yeah, Doug, I enjoyed it too. Looking forward to the next one. All right, fantastic. That wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Chip House, CMO at Insightly, for joining us in part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow. Chip and I are going to dig in and discuss, is getting a tooth pulled better than your customer support? If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Chip, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. Or you can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is C-E-H-O-U-S-E, or visit his company website at Insightly.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to the podcast, head over to RevGenPod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.